just a good old boy Never meaning no harm Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born Good old boy I'm Mark Bog Beef I'm stuffing a Forte <laughs> Today we are in the spin zone <laughs> He's running for office, and uh, I do like his platform. Uh, and we're going to be talking to Mr. Forte. But, uh, you know, but we, we, I'm sure if you listen to this, you, you might not know who Mr. Forte is. But uh, he's running for office uh, for the New York State Senate. Yes? Yes, sir. That is correct. Uh, sir. No, I'm just saying he's from New York, but we try, we'll try not to hold that against him today. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, uh, I mean... Try. We're trying to get better here in New York. We're trying to get better. Well, uh, you know, uh, I guess just to dive in. So, you uh, would you would you consider yourself something of a populist? Uh, absolutely. That, that is, I one of the things that I tell everybody at the end of my speeches. Um, I say I'm unapologetically tough on crime. I'm unapologetically pro-family, and I'm an unapologetic populist. Well, that is my my kind of catchphrase at the end of my of my speeches gets the people going and they love it well you know i always i've talked about this to my friends before that um so you know i'm from the south and i'm from sort of more uh, probably areas that are more uh you know considered like the uh you know places where you would have tr- uh, trump <laughs> rallies <laughs> trump rallies and stuff where like it would be like oh well yeah of course they love the populism there but but However, it's something people don't really uh, talk about so much. So, like, if I had to think of, like, if you were going to build, like, a populism HQ tomorrow, like, where would you put it? A very strong, uh, uh, like, one that, like, what I would highly consider for multiple reasons would be uh, Long Island. Yes. Long yes. Island. Sorry, good. L- Long Island is one of them. I would definitely agree. I think where I'm running in Queens, I would also throw that in there. We are in a pocket of old union boys who have their pensions, um, um, and they some of them worked in the city, some of them worked in other places. But the populism really works over here because they see the disparity between the rich and the poor here. They see how the other side lives, and they've made a little bit of money themselves. And they see it slipping away. And they're like, why can't you just leave me alone? Why can't I I have my house? Why can't I raise my kids the way that I want to raise them? Um, But people are, you know, the politicians really are trying to get involved in their life. So they're they're like, you know what? We, 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 We don't really like this libertarian Republican Party. We might be former Dems ourselves, some of them are saying to themselves. And they say, you know what? I, I think that populism, this new populist energy uh, um, that that's coming through is is very, very potent to them. It's We are right where I'm running is right on the border of Long Island. So yeah. it, it, it bleeds over a bit. In the in Long Island, in that in, in that that thing, like is in some imaginary outpost, uh, like as far as populism stuff is concerned, like it is just operating as a suburb of New York because like yes. all the like the the real like a lot of like real classic working class American culture came out of uh, guys that worked in the city and then went home at Long Island at night, which I've never been in New York, so I don't know what this, any of this looks like. So, but uh, that's but that's true. Now, but now you're uh, now in terms of New York, like New York City, you know, you have there's three different places that are important to New York City in terms of politics. Uh, you have New York, you have uh, New York City, you have Albany, and you have D.C. Yes. 
which one which one which uh, are you attempting to uh, enter i'm trying to go into albany that's my that is my um um my pocket of power that right. i'm trying to uh to get to and i've decided on the new york state senate because the new york state senate had been republican up until 2018 not many people know that but the republicans firmly held the new york state senate until 2018, then that big blue wave came in and washed a lot of people out. But we're trying to bring that lever of power back into Republican hands and really back into the people's hands. Uh, we, we're we not planning on going up there and uh, just playing the Albany games. Uh, we're planning on going up there and bringing a little bit of pocket of power to the people here in, in Northeast Queens. Yeah. One of the things that struck me was so when I, uh, I was looking at your uh, at your website, you, I saw front and center you you had law and order things. I believe you, you can correct me if I'm yes, wrong. Yes, that is true. That's the number one issue. You know, I've been talking to a lot of people, uh, normal people, but people also in the know. Kind of this, you know, the stuff that people don't really say up front, but just but a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of people uh, have told me that like that that's really that's really the winning that's really the winning way to go this, this time around you know there's a lot of real complicated issues this issue doesn't seem that complicated no it's cut and dry uh you know th- this is this is this is what people want people want enough money in their pocket to go over to the grocery store have the have the bus get to its stop on time and for them to be safe to get there that that's what people want and right now, the buses don't come on time. They don't have enough money in their pocket to get to the, to, the, uh, to the supermarket, let alone buy something in the supermarket. And if they do, they're not safe getting there. So we have a law in New York called the Bail Reform. Uh, it was the Bail Reform Act of 2018. And essentially what it did was it eliminated cash bail for essentially every nonviolent, quote unquote. The New York State Senate believes that uh, uh, attempting to run somebody over with your car is nonviolent, but nonviolent offenses, you don't have to post any bail. You're let back out on the street. That's why we see some stories of people getting arrested a hundred times in one day because they keep committing quote unquote nonviolent crimes. That's really what's fueling uh, the crime wave here in New York. Also with the defund the police movement. And you can say what you will about, you know, if the NYPD has a bloated budget or not, but it seems like when we were fully funding them, uh, uh, people weren't getting shot up in the middle of Times Square, and now they are. Um, so here in New York, that's a winning issue, especially in Queens. I say this all the time. If Queens had a capable, a capable Republican Party, Queens could be North Staten Island. I really believe that. And if, if for everyone who doesn't know, Staten Island is the most Republican borough here in Queens. Uh, here in New York, Queens could um, um, could be like that. And it could change the way New York votes forever if we just got our ducks in a row here in Queens. And that's what we're attempting to do. It starts with Northern Queens, the old union boys, the old working class Italians, the newly minted Hispanic working class voters, right? The Asian uh, uh, community that wants to be safe uh, and wants their children to be educated. Uh, we have a real opportunity here, and everyone's number one issue is safety, safety, and safety. We got to repeal the bail reform, give our police back the money that they are that they're owed, and uh, uh, put criminals back in jail. 
the police the police abolition movement in New York City is especially strange because for one thing you can look at San Francisco places like San Francisco and you can see where that heads. But also, you know, in New York, I, I, obviously I wasn't around them, but uh, in like the seventies, it was it was kind of like I guess uh, movies like Taxi Driver and stuff like that kind of celebrated this like disgusting, violent, dangerous you know, Bernie Getz New York that essentially you guys you guys did away with in the nineties. And I can't imagine like why do you have any speculation on why your political opponents want to want to kind of go back to that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why do they want to go back to there? Because they like to pander to a, a, a fringe, uh, a group, um, that wants to defund and, and abolish the police. So this is what I would say. People that live here in New York, like, Actually, because a lot of people don't realize this. New York is not just a place where you go and make money and you get a job. Like there's actual people that live here. I, I can't believe it myself, but people actually do live here. Um, and they don't want to defund the police. The old Italian working class does not want to defund the police. The Hispanics that live here do not want to defund the police. The African-American community does not want to defund the police. This is a group of yuppies and out-of-staters who want to come into New York and change the culture of it. And that's what they do, right? They come over here and they essentially change the culture. Um, our, our politicians at this point are so, what's the word that I can use? Want to pander to us so much that uh, they're willing to listen to this fringe minority. And, and that's exactly what it is. A group of out-of-state yuppies who are telling our politicians how to run our state. Um, and, uh, they know that by appealing to the most radical of the base, they're going to get elected. Uh, so, you know, and, and it's also in terms of endorsements and, and money, like the working families party, right? They're very powerful here in New York. And I know that some States have different systems. I don't know where you boys are from, but over here, we, we have multiple party lines. So I can run on the Republican party the conservative party. Hell, I can even run on the Democrat party. All three, all three parties I can run on them. My, my name will show up three times on the ballot. Um, and what happens here in New York is uh, many Democrats want to get the working families line because it's almost showing like, not only am I a Democrat, I'm a progressive Democrat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what they do is, and what the working families party is doing now is they won't give you the line unless you want to defund the police. That's that's a pre pre <laughs> of being on the working families line. So why why is it like this? Because a group of radicals have now been able, a group of out of state radicals have been able to dictate the narrative here in New York. Yeah, uh, if you, you get into a lot of their, uh, you know, because you hear like, okay, well, what what do you, what do you do? If, you know, you, you ask these people like, uh, what happens? But uh, once you. What you find, because like, I think a lot of people are just, uh, I guess, just naive or something. But if you, once you talk to people that, because there is like real sharks and snakes that are part of this. I mean, they've held defund the police uh, 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 symposiums at like Harvard and Yale and stuff. Yes, they have. And when you when you see like the uh, the real big shots behind this stuff, uh, a lot of it. Um, uh, one of the things they do is they they say, well, uh, they do the song explanation where there's another thing. It's just like the police, but everyone has a graduate degree. 
which is uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is very funny. I mean, uh, New York is a uh, is a, uh, can be a tough town. Uh, and, you know, New York is so important in these kind of, like, uh, so think, talk, so as an outsider, so someone's never been there, you know, like when these, when these sorts of things happen in California, where you just have like all these people like, uh, uh, living in the, the, like, it's like the weird, the tent cities and stuff like that. Yes. You know, in the back of my mind, I always thought something like, I, I never would have said it or something. I've always thought, you know, well, that could never happen in New York. Because you know, it's like to some level, New York uh, it, it has been big and and has ha- like needs to function for some amount of people. But I I wonder if so much of that is not th- that like uh, it, it's it's uh, any any of this sort of historical stuff. But the fact that New York has to deal with Albany as a check on power at different times. New York City does. Do you think? Do you think there's some of that? Yeah, well, absolutely. I look the New York Albany has been a. I'm, I'm assuming you guys have watched Star Wars, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, when Obi Wan goes in in the uh, in the um, it's not the car, but whatever. It's him and Luke Skywalker and C3PO and uh, R2D2, and he says, you know, never has there been a bigger scum of uh, a bigger hive of scum and villainy. That's what <laughs> Albany really is. It is it is uh, uh, it is disgusting. Um, the games that are played up there are are, I mean, it, it, it puts it puts corruption to shame. What goes on up there? I think honestly, Albany might be an even bigger corrupted place than, than <laughs> Washington D.C. Like seriously, I mean that. Um, and it doesn't work for the people either. Like there's no there's no one up. Well, there are some people up there, but there's. The big power players and the shot callers up in Albany could care less about the people, right? It isn't like Huey Long where it's like, oh, we're corrupt, but we're giving to the people. Like we're corrupt, but no, it, it, it's, 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 it's nothing like that. So New York is very strange because places like, like California, right? It'll never, they'll never have a Republican governor ever again. Like, sorry, Larry Elder, like, I wish you would have gotten in. I think you weren't great on some issues, but I wish you would have gotten in. But there's not going to be a Republican gover- a governor of California. In New York, we're different. There, there's, there's things that happen in New York. And New York is, is a tragedy because what we do is we elect somebody competent, like a Pataki, like a Rudy Giuliani. And they clean up the city and they clean up the state. And things are looking so great. And oh my gosh, we've got a booming economy. The city is safe. You can walk your dog out at night no matter where you are. And then we fall into this trap where the Democrats will come back and say, ah, come on. We know you miss us. Come on. And we go, (laughs) all right, I do kind of miss you. It's a very toxic relationship, right? (laughs) Where, well, where they'll go, oh, you know, Rudy, he's a little bit too much, don't you think? Like Andrew, uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani's a little bit too much on crime, don't you think? And then we start going, ah, yeah, you know, maybe we can't be that tough on crime. Maybe so much law and order isn't good. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a de Blasio situation and then things get really bad. And then another Republican governor pops up. So we're not like these other places. New York is a populist stronghold. People just get blinded sometimes. And I think especially in my neighborhood here in Queens, these working class boys don't want to be told what to do. 
they don't want they don't want Albany coming down and legislating for them. They want to send one of their own up there. So, you know, I I, I don't understand uh, uh, how how California can get as bad as it can get. Uh, but New York, I, I believe we're, we're circling the drain, but I think New York is going to come out on top. I, I think we're in a situation where we need another Rudy Giuliani or we need another Governor Pataki to kind of uh, uh, fix this all up. I, I think the answer to this is kind of, I guess, beyond the scope we're talking about a little bit. But like the, New York replaced London as the, you know, the, the center of the world. Yeah. And so there's a, li- there's a hard limit on how crazy they can get there because you need New York to be functional for the, the business of the planet Earth to continue. You know, like uh, San Francisco and L.A. can, can go entirely nuts. And it, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to you know, f- affect Fortune 500 companies like it would if, if New York descended into chaos. Wake However, up tomorrow, wake up tomorrow morning and, uh, you know, uh, uh, phone apps, uh, Tinder doesn't work and stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Stefano made a great point, which is like, the, there's this cycle of, Oh, well, we're going to, we're going to bring in somebody to clean up the mess. That's the, been the problem with the Republican party in recent history is it just kind of function as a janitor for these people, for these pr- progressives. And, and, and you've, you had some, I saw some of your platform that suggested that you understand that and you're try you have ideas to break out of this mold, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that the Republicans do. Like I- I'm disgusted with what's going on in redistricting. Yeah. Uh, because in New York, 15 Republican assembly people went and voted for this redistricting bill. 15 of them, 15 <laughs> rhinos in the state uh, 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 legislature. I'm proud to say that in the state Senate, uh, under the leadership of uh, uh, Robert Ort, nobody bucked the party line. And we said, no, we are not going to pass this gerrymandered redistricting bill. So the Republicans have been playing janitor. And when we get power, we don't know what to do with it. We're like, I guess we'll 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 pass a tax cut. Uh and that's about it. And then we don't do anything with that power. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what I've told a lot of my, a lot of my colleagues, as well as a lot of my 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 potential constituents. Which is, you send me up there, I'm going to be proactive. Like we're not going to, I'm not going to bring you guys to zero uh, after we were at a negative twenty. We're going into the positives. We're we're going to start working for New York and her people. We're not going to go up there and pass a tax cut. Sure, tax cuts are nice. I think tax cuts. For the middle class and the and the uh, and the poor are fantastic, but it seems like whenever we pass a tax cut in Albany, it's only for the super wealthy, and I'm not a fan of that. Uh, uh, we'll pass a tax cut, sure, but then after that, we're going to be proactive. We're going to get active on law and order. We're going to get active on education, and this is something on my website that I talk about a lot too, which is we're going to pass a ten thousand dollar marital loan um, to to for young couples to be able to get married because people my age are not getting married right now. So we need strong families, strong law enforcement, and a strong Republican Party who's going to go into Albany and, uh, uh, you know, be a bull in a china shop. That's that's what the people want. They don't want nice guy. They didn't hire nice guy. They hired bull in a china shop. Well, look at the Republican senator. Uh, sorry, the Republican candidate for, for mayor in the, in the past election. He was a, a literal vigilante. Because it's obvious what, what the people are actually looking for. And, and I'm, not- proud to be, I'm proud to be endorsed by that vigilante. I was actually with him today. 
Uh, oh, he's, yeah. he's he's great. Uh, I really uh, he he, he uh, I really like his, uh, his Curtis approach. Sliwa understands the issues better than ninety nine percent of the Republican establishment here in New York. He is on the ground. He is talking with voters. I'm proud to be endorsed by him, and I'm proud that in some capacity, when we're out there, I'm able to keep up with him because he's nonstop energy. He is nonstop energy. And he taught, he, he is what inspired me to get into this race, because just to tell you guys a little bit of my, um, how should I, winnability for my district, because I, I know many people are probably listening to this and thinking, a Republican in New York, please, he doesn't got a shot in the world. I'm proud to say that in my district, uh, Curtis Lewa won it in a practical landslide. So there is a way for Republicans to win here in New York, and it is that populist route. He is being a street fighter. Curtis goes out there and he is, he's a street fighter. And I want to emulate that. Yeah. John Gotti tried to kill him, right? He was shot by John Gotti Jr. Yes. John Gotti Jr. Sent hit men. Curtis Lewa is a a man of the people in every sense of the word. He takes a taxi to work every, well, he used to take a taxi to work every day. And this is the story as it was relayed to me. Uh, He got in a car and he got in the back seat. And one of John Gotti's goons was in the front. Uh, turned around um, and shot Curtis in the stomach. Uh, and instead of dying like any regular person would, Curtis Sliwa decided to jump out of the front window of the car because it was open. He got shot one more time in the stomach on the way out of the car, landed and rolled. Thank God there were a couple of people that saw what happened and took him to the hospital. Any other man would have died right there. But Curtis Lewa has a bigger mission and Curtis Lewa is, is, is as my, me and my friends affectionately call him subway Batman. So he survived and he, um, and he um, um, is still out there kicking and I'm glad for it. I'm glad I have his endorsement. He's a political hero of mine. I'm proud to say that I'm a Curtis Lewa Republican. That's awesome. So that's awesome. I'm glad you said that because I, that, that 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 my question about Albany, or what I was trying to get at, was is this thing that uh, you, you mentioned it. So there's this thing that you see on social media where there's the candidates who are like, uh, you know, I, I'm running, you know, I'm running, uh, you know, uh, as a MAGA Republican in Berkeley, California. We're going to take back <laughs> Berkeley, and and uh, and you're just thinking like, and I, you know, it, I, I, especially you see that with ever like uh, people like we're going to primary like, uh, you know, like a like. Uh, Nancy Pelosi or something, and they'll get someone who's just like clearly just taking uh, someone who's like very very well established. Or, but anyways, uh, that's, in Baltimore, yeah, last election cycle. I I, I really like so I really like what you say. You really paint a strong picture. Well, what is now? What what is the moment where you say because uh, this? What is the moment where you where you say like okay? I uh, I assume that there, uh, there was some point where you were like well. I hope someone comes along that can do something about this. And then there's a point where you say, well, hell, I'll just run for office. I can't take this anymore. What was that point for you? I've always had this kind of existential clock in the back of my mind ticking. My mom, when I was younger, I used to get very angry at her for doing this, but now I, I, I'm, I'm happy that she did. My mom, when I was younger, whenever I would like play video games or, you know, do anything that was, you know, as a young kid does, or if I wanted to buy something, she would come to me and she would tell me, well, why don't you make that? Like, you can start a business. You can be successful. Like you, why are you giving other people your money? And at first I would be like, oh my gosh, there's so much pressure. 
But as I got older, I started taking responsibility for the things around me. And my dad, when I was young, he used to read the paper in front of me. And whenever he would be done with a page, I would read it. And I wanted to look like a, like a big boy reading the newspaper. Um, and I would, I would, you know, have no idea what it was saying, but I would look through it. And then my dad would start to explain it to me. Well, this is what's going on with this. And this is what's going on with the budget. And there were so many big problems. And again, when I was young, I would think, you know, somebody's got to do something about this. And then as I got older, I'm like, well, you know what? I've got to do something about this. Don't I have a responsibility to my community? Why can't I be that guy? So as I got older, I started saying to myself, like, I got to fix these problems. I got to start something. I got to do something. And then after seeing what Curtis did in my district, you know, and winning my district in a way that nobody thought he would, and after seeing Vicky Palladino, a, a Republican who just flipped the city council seat in my district, who's also a very close friend of mine, and uh, I'm actually speaking at her, her event uh, on, um, on Thursday. But after seeing this, I said to myself, you know what? No, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for Senate. And I'm going, to, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of the people that I respect, and I'm going to make that difference. And to everybody listening to this, don't assume people are coming to save you. Because guess what? No one is coming to save you. No one cares about you, right? Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares about anybody here other than a very small select group of people. And they need your help. And you don't have to do a lot. If it's donating to a campaign, go ahead and donate. If it's door knocking for a campaign, go ahead and door knock. If it's getting down on your knees and praying to whatever God you pray to, right? Do that. Do something, anything, because your community is your responsibility. That's, that's it. No one's coming. It's all us. It's all you. You're, you're singing my song with this responsibility word, which uh, leads me into one of your, your, your platforms here, which is something we talk about a lot, which is uh, we have this crude word for, we use this, uh, the word the Soviets used, uh, kulak for the small businessman. Yes. And once again, um, this is funny because we're we're sort of southern uh, uh, people. Uh, <laughs> we're southern in, in all in all ways, and, and you know the thing you mentioned before about like uh, w- the South has gotten this thing for years, where it's like uh, like the big boy conservatives were like always held a grudge because uh, whatever you would call uh, conservative in the South went along with the New Deal. And we're and we're happy to go along with things like giving money to the elderly and stuff. And that was, was always uh, like, you know, from the David French set is like, you, you know, you guys were never, never true conservatives like us. Well, maybe, maybe not. And, 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 and we match there now. And this other thing makes is also like uh, because uh, in the South, the sort of small businessman is a very like iconic thing. And especially if you think of terms like um uh, a ranch or something like that. It's all about responsibility. But the other one, the other ideal one is uh, someone running a corner store in New York city, which is, which is, it's tough. And uh, can, can you speak about, about, about how you feel about the, the small business? Yeah, absolutely. The small businessman in New York is the American dream, isn't it? You go to the city, you make your money, you come to the suburbs You know, you got a white picket fence, a beautiful wife, a new car, a baby on the way. Louis Rossman. I'm sorry? Do you know Louis Rossman? No, no. Okay, sorry, continue. Yes, but you got a baby on the way. You You got a cute dog, and we called it the American dream. And now that American dream is gone because of these fat cat elites 
who are selling out our country. And so I'm going to speak twofold on business owners. Number one, um, I think that we need to realize that we shut down our small businesses for over two years. It was the largest redistribution of wealth. Uh, sorry, the largest wealth hoarding in the history of our country. It wasn't a free market, right? And I have my gripes with the free market, but let's say it wasn't a free market. Nobody decided this. They closed us down. They just said at gunpoint, you will close down. And places like Amazon, Walmart, these big businesses, they made money hand over fist, right? So for our small businesses, the least we can do to them, the least we can do to them is tell them that you're not going to have to pay taxes for two years. For two years, you are totally exempt from any state or city taxes because you were closed. We have to repay you, right? And then maybe down the line, we could talk about how these big businesses might have to give some money back to these small businesses, right? I'm not a rugged free market individual, uh, uh, a rugged free market fundamentalist, right? <laughs> Our markets are a means to an end. We are a country before anything else. And the moment that this country's markets stop working for the American people, then I will abandon them completely and totally. I will abandon that market, uh, uh, those market principles completely because we have people to save. We have people, real people with real jobs and real consequences. Um, and secondly, uh, single family zoning. And this is something that I got a lot, a lot of flack on Twitter for because I said I support single family zoning. I don't think we should abolish single family zoning. And they called me a NIMBY and they called me, you know, and they said this and that and that I don't want this type of people in my neighborhood, which is just absolutely ridiculous considering my neighborhood is mostly Asian Hispanic, right? Uh, so this is something that they're trying to do in New York. And what they're going to do is this, they're going to abolish single family zoning. So now the small businessman is going to get stiffed again because his property value is going to plummet. And when his prop and most small businesses, their home is their biggest asset, uh, their biggest asset. Um, so their, 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 their home price is going to, is going to uh, plummet. And what they're going to start doing is block busting. They're going to come into uh, uh, my neighborhood, which I consider suburban. I know it's New York City, but if you come to my neighborhood, you, would not, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between Long Island and Northeast Queens in a lot of areas. But anyway, um, you come over here and what they're going to do is they're going to set up either affordable housing or a homeless shelter. And they've done it twice in our district. They set up this big homeless shelter, right? And now all of the houses on the block, their, their uh, prices plummet and they're going to just keep on buying more houses, more affordable housing, more, um, more brutal apartment buildings. And this is a conversation I had with somebody who supported abolishing single family zoning. I'd be a-okay with getting rid of single family zoning. If it meant that they were going to build these beautiful apartment buildings <laughs> and they were going to keep, they were going to keep the, 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 the personality of the neighborhood and they were going to talk to the people there. But what they're going to do is this, they're going to build a really large brick triangle, uh, 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 rectangle in the middle of a district and change the entire culture of it. So the working man in New York is constantly getting stiffed. Uh, unless you're somebody who has a lot of money, you're going to get forced to shut down. You're going to have to pay these exorbitant taxes. And this is something else in my district, which is property taxes and taxes as a whole 
we are one of the highest tax places in the entirety of the country because we've done well enough for ourselves where we're upper middle class, but we haven't done well enough for ourselves where we can hire all the accountants to get us out of paying these taxes. So we're in this weird situation and it makes a lot of people here very populous, very anti-establishment. And that's why they, they, they fled to Curtis Sliwa. That's why they wanted Curtis to win because he had that anti-establishment zeal. Yeah, they they've been they've been trying to get rid of single family housing zones everywhere. They flirted with it here in Virginia, you know, during the honeymoon period when the Democratic Party had control of you know everything. But that I don't I don't think that idea is popular with anybody who has to actually live in the places where they want to do it. Like what 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 the real plan there is? You're gonna you're gonna build a you're going to build tenements in places where people used to have neighborhoods. No, there's nobody on earth who likes that except for the people who want, you know, a favela next to high rise, uh, high rise buildings, which is like, right. yeah. It, it, or in New York, they also will, will put up some of those like designer mini, um, mini slim, uh, high rises and they'll just sell. No one will live in there. It'll just be a place for people in Hong Kong to park their buddy and stuff. But my friend, my friend is hiding his power levels on this stuff. He's very passionate about the subject. Uh, uh, yes. And which is a good, which is a good signifier. I mean, there's a lot of people very passionate about the subject. It's just, you're, you're kind of like punished if you talk about it, you know? Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're completely and totally punished, especially here in New York. They, they come over to you and they're like, Oh, you don't want this group and you're a racist and this and that. And the moment that people called me a racist, I said, ah, okay. I'm getting the right people angry here. That's how I know. <laughs> and I, I said, and I said, like, yeah, you want to call me a NIMBY? Sure. Not in my neighborhood. I don't want these in my neighborhood. There are people here that didn't just buy a house. They bought a neighborhood. They bought the local culture. And most of the people that were getting angry about this were people from San Francisco. So I said, I, I, I turned to my girlfriend, actually, and I said, all these San Francisco elites are getting angry at me. I'm like, I hope they know I don't represent them. I represent Queens. So I really don't care what they have to say. <laughs> and I do get worked up over this because this is the American dream. Why, why do they want us living in apartments so bad? Why do they want us not owning anything? Why does the World Economic Forum always come out with this report saying you'll own nothing and you'll be happy? Why, why do they want this so bad? And not only that, if we do, God forbid, live in a house, then BlackRock has to own it. BlackRock has to be the one that owns our home and we have to pay rent on our own land. So we need to really talk. And this is something that I haven't put on my website and I haven't talked about often, but I'll talk about it with you guys because I like you guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of ancient Rome and the, uh, the Grocky brothers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're familiar with that. <laughs> we, we have like little history lessons on this. I think that New York needs a Lex Agraria. I think the country needs a Lex Agraria. I think we need to have a real conversation about how much land corporations can own. I think we need to have a real conversation about how much individuals uh, uh, can own land here in this country. Because property values are just going up. They're just going up and up and up. And not only that, BlackRock is coming in and buying up all these homes. We need to really sit down and think about who owns the land in our country. Because the people that own the land control politics and the people that control politics control us. So we need to have a real conversation and maybe go back to the days of uh, the Grocky brothers 
hopefully me talking about this won't lead me to the same end as they had. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I, I, uh, I think we need a Lex Agraria here in New York and throughout the country. Yeah, this this is something that so uh, I'm from Florida, which also uh, bears uh, us. Uh, it's some you know I, I lived in South Florida for a while, and uh, sometimes they call it the sixth borough. You know, uh, you see more uh, you know Yankees <laughs> hats than uh, it, it's. I don't, it, it it has that a bit. Um, yes. Of course, you can also see that with Trump. You know, he's he's uh, he's uh, he's a I believe he's a Queens guy, but he's also a, yep. a, a Florida guy. You know, it's, it's just part of the the thing. Um, you, you, uh, you you brought up you were the, you're you're ranting to your girlfriend in this thing. I think uh, New York uh, New York Times or something. They had an article today yesterday. This woman uh, she wrote an article talking about um, uh, a common thing. For the ladies that uh, uh, she hadn't, no one had popped the question yet. I don't know if her boyfriend or whatever it just hadn't yes. come up. And so this is something a lot of women, a lot of women in New York, you know, uh, uh, comes up. You actually have a policy that, that's going to do something about this, ladies. Yeah, if absolutely, you're, if you're husband, ladies. If your if your boyfriend is lying around, and he's not not asked you your ring size and all this. Uh, you, you've got you've got a policy plan for this, do you not? Yes, I do. I do got a policy for it. And you know what? I, I'm hoping. Listen, everybody out there that's listening to this, thinking about getting married, wait until November. Let me pass this and then you'll get something uh, real nice. $10,000 marital loan. People need to get married. And, you know, strong families are pivotal. Um, so $10,000. 10,000 schmackaroos, 10,000 shekels, 10,000 rupees, whatever you want to call it. $10,000. To whoever gets married here in the state of New York, if you stay together for five years, if you stay in New York for five years, the loan is completely forgiven. And then we're going to talk about some child tax credits as well. We want big, beautiful families here in New York. Um, and what does this do? Why are we giving $10,000 to people? And this is why. People don't feel financially secure in order to get married. They just don't. They don't feel financially secure. We need to incentivize that. We need to incentivize people getting married. So this $10,000 loan is going to keep people in New York because they have to stay in New York to keep it. Also, uh, uh, in terms of divorce, I think personally, and this is something my father has told me a lot, marriage is what keeps you together while you fall in and out of love. If a $10,000 marital loan keeps you together for one more year, for you to work out your issues and potentially stay together, then I'm very, very, I'm, I'm for that. Let's keep people together. Let's keep families together. Let's keep, um, 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 let's keep families together. Let's keep people together. We want them to, uh, 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 to stay together, have a bunch of kids, buy a house. Family is the backbone of our country and people aren't having kids and divorce is on the rise. This would be a stealth way around this problem that Republicans have talked about at great length in the past, where there's this perverse incentive if you're very poor to not get married, even if you're like, you know, even if you have a kid with somebody, because if you get married, you could lose eligibility to certain, you know, certain programs that would, yes. would help. So this would be a way around that. 10 G's is going to is going to outweigh whatever, whatever, you know, uh, whatever you get, whatever check you're getting. And not only that, it's, and somebody told me, well, what if people just kept, keep getting married? It's like, no, 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 no. It's the first time around, right? And we want you to stay together. That's, that's the, <laughs> Sorry, that's, Larry, Larry King. Yeah, <laughs> we, want, <laughs> we want you to stay together. We want you to be happy together. And 
Um, this is something else that we have to talk about, especially here in New York, which is we need to figure out what's going on with our with our welfare system. And, and I'm not saying we get rid of it. I'm not saying we scrap it. What I'm saying is we, we find better solutions. You know, you'll find the outcomes when you see what we're incentivizing. And we're incentivizing a lot of really bad things. So let's incentivize families. Let's incentivize, like, this is something that happens constantly, which is my welfare is coming in, right? Let's say I can get a raise at my job. Well, the moment that I get my raise at this job, my welfare is going to go away because I don't meet the threshold in order to get it. So now make, I have a choice and it's a tough choice. I can either make more money and not get this raise or, or, or make more money and not move up in my life. Or I can, uh, uh, I can, I can reject more money and move up in my life. And for a lot of people, that's just not an option. That's just not an option. I resent this kind of, you know, this idea of, oh, the welfare queens, the welfare queens. No, some people are just in a really bad situation. And we need to figure out what we're incentivizing here. So yeah, that's what I would say. We need to have welfare that incentivizes family growth, that incentivizes self-actualization, home ownership. Let's not just give free money to people. Let's give money to people and it will then make them get more money in return. Let's not let's not just hand people money. Let's teach them how to fish. That's the that's a good point. That the money's not that money's not free either. Because if yeah. you if people give you just enough if people give you just enough whatever to continue on in your role as their client, you know, permanently, that's it's a generational problem. It's it's going to be their kids, their grandkids, forever. You have to, course, if their any, gener- yeah. Any kind of help has to be something that can break that cycle. That's the only way you can do it. There are generations of, of families that have lived in the same, uh, in the same housing uh, uh, for years, in the same projects for years. Like, w- w- that is a problem. And we forget about these people. And you know why we forget about these people, especially Republicans? Because we look at them and we go, ah, they'll never vote for us anyway. Right? But the Democrats, what they're doing is they've created a client base. They've created a client base where they go to them every year and no matter how awful their neighborhood is getting, they go to them every year and they go, hey, remember who's putting food on the table? Hey, remember who's got a, a roof over your head? Remember remember who got your kids their school? Remember that the next time you go and vote because these big bad Republicans, they're going to get in and they're gonna, you're going to lose all that. And that's scary to people. That's very scary to people. So Republicans need to go into the into these buildings, these project buildings, with the right message. And Curtis Lee what did? Curtis Lee went into those districts, uh, and and he said, "I'm going to go into places where they haven't seen a Republican other than other than Abraham Lincoln on the back of the five dollar bill." Like he was serious about going in there. So, yeah, absolutely. I am. I am. Uh, 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 I think this generational. This generational poverty is something that's really bad. We need teach a man to fish welfare, not give a man a fish welfare. All right. Well, you mentioned before uh, we were talking about how you know rich Amazon and Walmart got. I think it was something like ten billion dollars in profit in the first year. It's ridiculous. So uh, in in Canada right now, there's a huge story about these mass protests over mandates. What can you guys? Exactly. What what can you guys in Albany when when you, obviously when you do get elected, what can you guys do to help out New Yorkers? 
with regards to, to the mandates that you guys have been saddled with? Yeah, listen, the mandates in New York are just wrong, just plain wrong. And and look, <laughs> this is what I say to a lot of people. You're treated better in the New York legal system if you are an armed robber than you would be if you went into a store and you were unvaccinated. Like, truthfully, if you have a fake vaccine card, the book is thrown at you. If you're somebody who has a gun on a playground while they're snorting co cocaine off a park bench, you're treated fairer than somebody who would have a fake vaccine card, let's say. So we're, one of my priorities is getting rid of these terrible vaccine mandates. God bless the truckers in Canada. God bless them. You know, thank you. My thank you for saying that. On sending a couple dollars their way because we really believe in what they're doing. And it's so funny, the Democrats and these quote unquote socialists like AOC, they claim to be all for a, a working class revolution. And the moment they have it up in Canada, they're angry about it, right? Like I thought I was the one that was supposed to be the shill to the big corporations when that's not true at all. I love what's going on up there. I hope we have one in New York. I hope we have one up in DC. Um, you know, we, we, we need something like that. We need people angry with righteous indignation in the streets. And this is what I say. This is what I say all the peacefully, of course. And this is what I say all the time. The, the honking will continue until freedom improves. And that's what they need to do up in Canada. <laughs> keep honking, keep honking, keep honking. We want you down in New York too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you a lot for saying that. That, that it takes a lot of balls. And I, I really wish that we, we need, we need more people uh, saying that. Yeah, uh, no, this but, is the working class. This is who I'm supposed to be up there representing. That's, that's what we need. I'm, I'm look at the end of the day, guys, and I'm being honest with you and, and, and all the viewers out there, right? What is it to there's a Bible verse that I'm thinking of, which is what, um, what profit, what profiteth a man if he, if he gaineth the whole world and loseth his soul. This is my soul. This, this is who I am. This is what I want. I want people to be free. And at the end of the day, going up to Albany, if I can be me and go up to Albany and advocate for the working men and women of Queens, that's a dream come true. But I don't want to go up there if I'm going to be some shill who doesn't say what he means. You know, I, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. Yeah. Um, I mentioned uh, Lewis Rossman before, which uh, if you're listening to this and you know Lewis, you should uh, uh, get him to um, endorse or talk to Stefano. Uh, I don't know. Thank so, you. Uh, so Lewis Rossman is, uh, is he's uh, he's like he's one of the top like so he's like the main guy that I don't know him or anything, but he's a huge influencer. He's got several he's got several million on YouTube. He's a uh, he was a small business guy in New York. He's got a really great story. He's a he's a uh, you know, been in New York forever, Italian. Uh, he's a like uh, a big tech expert. Didn't go to school or anything. He he worked at like one of these cell phone repair places. He built a, a strong small business in New York, and he's been run out of New York basically on COVID restrictions. He's still going to leave a business open there because he has these people there work for him. You know, that's one of those small business that you know Walmart's not going to do that for you. They're not going to leave open an unprofitable Walmart uh, because they because it doesn't take care of it. And so he's moving his main business to, to Florida. But, uh, man, I think, I think, uh, uh, man, that would be, uh, that would be huge, but okay. So, all right. So, uh, I've, I've moved to New York. I've gotten married. I got my 10 G's. Uh, now we, we got one more thing to, 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 uh, really 
So I, now I need, I need some like a gold retriever or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Can, can you help me there? We need you. So listen, animal policy. This is something that I've talked about a lot. Um, we, I, I want to start, and this is, I think this is the first time anyone's really talked about this, which is um, trap neuter release is big here in New, in New York. We, we can't have, we, we want to make sure that we keep, our stray cats and dogs to a minimum here in New York. We don't, we don't want um, um, these poor animals to be out in the streets. So I've said that what we need to do is government sponsored trap neuter release. And also if you adopt an animal, uh, I believe I have this on my website. If you adopt an animal, uh, you will get a, uh, a, a tax break. You will get a, a tax credit because you know, a, a lot of people actually, when you adopt an, when you foster an animal, you do get a tax credit. Why not when somebody adopts them? Ado you adopted an animal, right? Get a tax credit. That's that's the least that we can do. I'm all for people, middle class people, paying less taxes. <laughs> that's a good thing. We want them to keep money in their pocket, to be able to go out and to be able to stimulate our economy. Um, and I'm all for the, the wealthiest among us paying their fair share. That's, that's, that's just what we need. So um, yeah, tax credits are a good thing. And I think even for animals, when you get your golden retriever, so you're going to move up here with your beautiful wife, you're going to get your car, you're going to get your 10 G's, you're going to get your house and you're going to get your golden retriever and you're going to have to, and hopefully we'll get you to pay less taxes as well when you do all those things. That, uh, that's a uh, hundred twenty-five dollars in my pocket, right? For the for the golden retriever. I believe so. I believe that's what we have on our website. Yes. Well, well here here's a here becomes a problem though. After you got the retriever in the house and the wife, uh, and have some kids, and the kids go to school. Uh, you know, what are they going to get taught at school? Uh, I saw I saw on your website part of your platform involves school choice, and that can mean a lot of different things. Uh, I guess the the most radical approach right now is like was it is it Corey DeAngelis the, the trying to get laws passed that you can take the money you can you can take your tax money that would have gone to the public schools uh, and you know take it somewhere else if the public school's not doing its job yeah well if this is the problem COVID here in COVID. New York that we face is that the UFT the United Federation of Teachers has a stranglehold on policy making here in New York um and I think in terms of education, we need to be proactive. So in terms of gifted and talented schools here in New York, I want to pass a law that would uh, that would uh, reinforce the fact that it's merit-based, not lottery-based. You will go to a gifted and talented school if you have the grades to go to a gifted and talented school. Um, the next thing in terms of school choice, here's the problem. There's a senator in the, in the state Senate, somebody who you know, is as corrupt as they come, uh, uh, Senator John Liu, who essentially wanted to say that uh, 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 that the school choice would be given to uh, uh, the Sunni executives, I believe, the Sunni board, I believe that was uh, uh, what he said, um, which essentially, and they're in the pocket of the United Federation of Teachers, which has just dis been disastrous for you in New York. So essentially what he's doing is handing over new charter schools being built to the UFT. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's incredible. What's it's, the damn point, then? <laughs> I know. So what, what we need to do is uh, we need to figure out how to fix the public schools. And that's what we need to do. And, and this is what I said on a previous 
podcast as well. We need to figure out what we're going to do in terms of public schooling. So what I want to do is let parents have more access to their child's syllabus, right? Maybe they have to sign uh, sign off on it, see what their children are reading. And then once we have power in these very big positions in terms of the school boards, the state Senate, the assembly, hopefully we'll have a Republican governor, fingers crossed. We need to have a legitimate war, a regime change in the UFT. I'm all for unions. I think unions are a great thing. The UFT doesn't doesn't advocate for anybody other than the bosses. The teachers are thrown out to dry. So what we need to do is advocate for regime change in the UFT. We will not negotiate with your current union boss unless you guys pick somebody who legitimately has the 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 um um the uh, uh the children and the teachers' best interests at heart. Uh, so that's what we need to do. Essentially, we need to to get rid of critical race theory from the classrooms, diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have to get rid of that from the classrooms. Another thing that I saw that they're doing is something called trauma-based learning, which is essentially <laughs> they stop class altogether and they kind of talk about like, you know, well, how do you feel? And it's a group therapy session. Now, listen, I'm all for school therapists and school psychiatrists and everything, but not if it eats into class time. I want my children to be taught something. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I, this is the next generation. And they've already had two years of school down the drain. So it, it, in terms of education, it's, such, it's like it's, 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 a, it's a three-headed monster. And when you cut one off, two more heads pop up. The UFT is a big problem. Charter schools, we need more of them, I believe. I think that we should do that. Uh, um, but again, it's tough in New York. It's going to take steps. Right now, what we need to do, my top priority would be um, fixing the syllabus of uh, public schools, giving parents more of an opportunity to review it. Uh, and giving them more power in the classrooms. I don't want the UFT dictating what parents, what what children should should be taught. I want parents to be dictating that. So, so like transparency, people should know what their kids are being taught. This sort of thing. The most transparency as possible. This is our next generation. Why are they being Why are they being taught that America is this evil, awful, disgusting place? I had a conversation with my with my cousin the other day, and this scared me. We were talking, he, he's interested in kind of what I'm doing. And I, I looked at him and I said, I said, you know, I said to my little cousin, I said, what is America? If I, if I put a board up, what's America? And he said, well, I wouldn't really know. And I said, well, you should know. You're about 16 years old right now. Like, what's America? And he said, I don't know, McDonald's. And it, it, it was mm. like getting shot through the heart. I was like, McDonald's. And I looked at him. And I was like, oh, my God, what are they teaching you in there? And he showed me his syllabus and he showed me what he was being taught. And I even listened into a couple of his classes. The, the former president, Donald Trump, gets mentioned more in history class than any other figure. <laughs> in, in the, in, in, I don't understand it, what this big orange <laughs> man did to piss off so many people. But they come out and they start talking about this nonsense and I'm like, this is about ancient Rome. Learn about the Gracchi brothers. Like, what are you learning about Don, Uncle Donnie for? Like, what is going on? So that's what we need. As much transparency as possible in the classrooms. And we, we need to teach our students what America really is. I think even having a class called What is America, right? 
What is America? What is our culture? Our culture is not Bass Pro Shop. It's not Wendy's. It's not McDonald's. It's not Jack in the Box. It's not in and out What it is is this idea that you can self-actualize, that you can go out there, you can buy that house. You can, it's, it's this idea that we, we are born with rights by our creator, endowed by us by our creator, nobody else, right? Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, to go out there. Make something of yourself. Be an American. That's gone. That old cowboy way is gone. It's not here anymore. We need to bring that back. I want our kids to be more like cowboys than, than, than you know, the, 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 the woke, indoctrinated next generation that they currently are. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that McDonald's answer, but if he had said dirty water hot dog, we might have <laughs> that. Well, I'm glad you said cowboy because I got a question. This is a question relates to uh, one of our friends who lives in New York City. I'm not going to dox him, but he's, he's Greek. I, I believe you're half Greek, right? I am Greek, Italian, and Puerto Rican, but I was raised Greek because I, I like my dad didn't really have much family, so it was just kind of him and his mom and my grandmother, and he's Italian and Puerto Rican. So I had a little bit of Puerto Rican upbringing, but Greek is like I speak Greek. Like Greek is, is oh wow. my, is my culture. Well, our, our boy complains a lot, has complained over the years a lot to us about New York City's very strict gun laws. And there's a yes. Supreme Court case right now that could strike, could potentially strike down the, the, <laughs> I, it, it would be, it would be really charitable to say that New York City has like a concealed, like a, a, a concealed carry license because it's like, it's essentially a license that normal people can't get. I have to carry around, I believe, like $50,000 on me at all times. I believe it's $50,000 on me at all times in order to conceal carry. Or prove, <laughs> or prove that my life is, on, it, it is in danger often, I, I believe. I take it from your tone, you don't, you, you, you're not a fan of this law. Would you, would, you, would you try to do anything to change that if you got in? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. In terms of in terms of this in specific, like yes, this is something that I I, I am I am a um, fan of firearms. I, I do believe in the Second Amendment. I do believe in concealed carry. I'm right with you in terms of everything that you're saying, but this isn't like a main 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 priority yeah. for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've got like so much else going on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I I I'm all for it. I believe that you should have concealed carry. I believe that, um, you know, we have to change the way that uh, uh, New York gun laws are in terms of self-defense laws. Here in New York, um, I'm forgetting what it's called. It's not called Castle Doctrine. It's something. Do you retreat? Yes, 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 yes. So somebody can enter my home and I have to get out of my own house (laughs) instead of protecting my property. First off, very quickly. They, they've said in New York that, oh, just because they're entering your home doesn't mean that there's a threat of violence. <laughs> You've broken my window and you're in my house. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is something that I would make a priority in terms of changing. I believe it's Castle Doctrine where um, if they enter your home, they have committed a violent crime. You have the right to protect yourself by, by, by those standards. Um, it's ridiculous to think that somebody could come into my house and I have to exit my house and let him take everything in my house uh, uh, to, to – and I have an alarm in my house. And it's wrong a couple of times. I've never been robbed, thank God. Uh, um, but the rule for me is always, you know, 
if somebody enters my home, they can have anything they want downstairs. But the moment they walk up those steps, like you now want to cause me and my family physical harm and, and that will not be tolerated. Um, so yeah, we got to change that. I believe castle doctrine is what it is. And uh, we would implement castle doctrine where if somebody comes onto your property, right, that is already within itself an intent to harm. Yes. Do, do, uh, do you have a position on right to repair? I'm sorry? Do you have a position on right to repair? I'm, I'm not familiar. I'm not That's familiar. fine. It's, this is, uh, this it's is a niche thing. issue, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing. It, it, like, it, you're right. It, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be dismissive. Like, it, this is going to become more important over time, especially as like you're, you're. It's a small business thing, but it's like basically yeah. we are increasingly reliant on technology and forms of like. So uh, I don't, I don't think I could keep my job if I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, and right, right to repair is basically uh, it's a package of things where it basically so that small businesses can repair these things rather than. Like uh, I have to mail it back to Apple and just buy a brand, buy a brand new one. But uh, we, we we can we can move on. Um, let me see. Is there anything that you'd like to say? Uh, we we've we've interrogated you for an hour. <laughs> Maybe it's something you specifically wanted to. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I hope I'm doing a good job. <laughs> uh, you, you're killing it, and, and you're doing very well. And, and the I think you've been very realistic. Like uh, I think you made it clear that like. Some of these things, like uh, you know, like uh, you're, it's you're probably not going to, uh, uh, you know, turn uh, New York New York City into a uh, into a constitutional carry thing in your first term. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's not, that's definitely not something. I, I funny enough though, now that you mention it, uh, Whitestone, which is one of my, which is a Republican hotspot and um, uh, a place that I'm hoping to represent, um, which is in my district, it has some of the highest concentration of gun owners in the entirety of New York. So this is something uh, that a lot of my constituents, especially Republican ones, will be asking me about. And, and I'm in favor of getting rid of the draconian laws that we have currently. Um, in terms of detailed analysis, I, I would need to sit down with an expert and really see what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> However, all I know is down in Texas, where they've got every... <laughs> Everybody is running heavy. It seems to be like a much more polite culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the most polite place in the world is the gun range, which is uh, it, it's funny. Once you leave, you're like, well, everybody was really nice to me. And your brain starts connecting, uh, you know, why that is. Uh, and, and like, look, <laughs> you know, all this policy stuff. I mean, I, 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 at the end of the day, I don't think that it's it's all that important. I, I think every, the other things that you said, what because you all. New York City, everyone knows. So, like, uh, New York City basically invented dirty politics in America. And, <laughs> you know, if, if you walk in there with a folder, it's like, well, I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to do this and that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like the um, that that's not really what's important. What's I mean, of course, you're going to have a, 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 your, your ideas. Things, but but what's really important is if you're prepared to fight. And I think what I've heard here in things, because, you know, a lot of these questions, you know, you feel, well, I don't know. I don't want to uh, piss off this one or that one. Uh, you've, it sounds like you have a, 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 an accurate uh, sort of assessment because, like, obviously, you know, the teachers union, that's a that's powerful. These things are powerful. This guy in Albany is a, is a power broker. And you're there. You're not going to be leaving New York City tomorrow. You didn't show up there yesterday. And uh, and these guys, are you're, you're, you're coming. 
right? Yeah, this is this is what I put on my on my post because uh, on Twitter with redistricting, there were rumors swirling about certain things and what was going to go on with the campaign. And I, I told everybody, I made it very clear. They tried to close the door on us in in Albany. They tried to slam the Senate door in this campaign's in this campaign's face. Well, I'm here to say that we are going to kick that door open and we are walking into that state Senate. And it's not about me. The campaign's not about me. And this is what I've, I've said to a lot of people already. This campaign's not about me. It, it's really not. It stopped being about me a long time ago. This is a movement of fed up people who just want a fair shake, who just want, some of them just want to be left the hell alone. Some of them just want to go get a burger in peace. Some of them want to be able to walk into a restaurant without getting harassed outside or shot, right? This is a movement of people who are sick and tired. This is a people's campaign and we're going to run it as such. We're, and, and a lot of people I know will be like, ah, well, I don't want to say this to piss off this person. And, you know, like, I don't know what they'll do to me in the state Senate. It's like, no, you're up there to be a fighter. You're up there to be a fighter. Your face, by the time you're done in that, in that, in that Senate hall, right, in those chambers, you should leave there like a prize fighter who had to go 12 with Mike Tyson. That's the way that you're supposed to fight for your constituents. So uh, I, that's the way I view it. We're, we're prize fighters out here. We're going up there. We're squaring up. And we're going to make sure that everybody in Albany knows who we are. And they view us as the fighters we really are. The, Repu the old guard of the Republican Party is dead. It's dead and in the ground, Right. We are the new generation. We're the people that are stepping up and are actually going to fight. So, like I said, I'm not, I'm not in the business to keep certain people from not – I'm not in the business to be well-liked by everybody. I'm in the business to be well-liked by my constituents. I'm in this business to be well-liked by the people that I need to be well-liked by, right? The people that actually matter, the voters, they need to be happy. And I'm going to go up there and I'm going to make them happy. I'm going to fight for them because they're sick and tired of people going up there and saying, I'm a fighter. I, I'm uh, blah, 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 blah. And then they go up there and they vote for the same old BS like this redistricting bill. And somebody else that I, I, I'll call out on this podcast, on this podcast is uh, Mike Gianaris, who is the deputy, uh, the deputy uh, uh, leader of the uh, state Senate who I can't wait to be colleagues with because he's not going to have a fun time. Uh, he represents uh, Astoria, which is a very like yuppie liberal area. <laughs> and he used to be this big moderate, big moderate Mike Gianaris. And I know people who went to school. My parents went to school with this guy. Like, I, like people who know me went to school with this guy. We run in the same circles. And this guy used to be the biggest moderate. And he used to represent the big Greek contingency, which is a very moderate group. Greeks are very moderate, right? And they like being spoken to nicely. And Mike Gianaris went around and he was like, oh, you know, I'm this moderate, I'm this. The moment that he started voting for all of these big, you know, liberal things, all the Greeks moved out to my district, thank God. And now he's got a bunch of yuppies over in Astoria and transplants who are now paying the bills for him. And now he's running around with AOC saying he's a democratic socialist and this and that. He drew the redistricting lines. <laughs> he gerrymandered the entirety of New York. And I have people who went to school with him telling me, I don't know what happened to him. 
I don't know what happened to this guy. Well, I know what happened to this guy. He went up to Albany, got corrupted by money and power. And I'll tell that to his face. That's, that's just the type of guy I am. I hope to work with him. I hope that him and I can find commonalities on some issues. But the moment that he could be, he could be, that he's not elected anymore, New York will be a better place. I used to say this, Bill de Blasio was the root of all evil here in New York. Well, somebody's taken over that spot. Mike Giannaris is now the root of all evil. <laughs> uh, okay. If I listen to this and I want, I, I want to help, I want to, I want to, I want, I want to help Stefano Forte. What do I do? So this is what you guys can do. Uh, I tell everybody there's three things that you could do for this campaign. You could do all three. You could do one. You could do two. But if you could do one of them, I'd really appreciate it. Number one, you could volunteer your time. If you're out here in New York and you want to come door knocking with me, this is a boots on the ground campaign. We are going to win this race with concrete and rubber soles. That's the way that we are going to win this race. Uh, uh, so if you want to come out, you want to volunteer, make phone calls, even come in and just help us with some envelopes, with some, with some mailings, come on down. You can go on my website, www.steph, S T E F, the number four senate.com. That's www.steph, the number four senate.com. Uh, uh, that's the first thing you guys can do is come out and volunteer. The second thing you guys can, can do is donate. This is a people campaign. Our average donation is somewhere around 50 bucks. Uh, we're proud to say that we've raised $20,000 in the span of two and a half months. We're proud to say that we are one of the best funded Republican campaigns in, I, I would say, I would say the entirety of New York in terms of local um, um, races. Uh, so if you could donate five, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks, it would mean the world. You could find that on the top right of my website, which is www.steph, S-T-E-F, the number four, uh, senate.com. And the last thing you could do, you don't even have to go on my page. You can get down on your knees and you can pray uh, for our campaign. Give us a quick prayer. Ask God to, uh, uh, to give us a fighting spirit and to give us the, the wherewithal to take on this establishment because it really is a, 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 a beast that we are taking on. But with those prayers and, and the backing that we have right now, I feel like we could take on the world. I tell everybody that you're going to feel like something, so why not feel unbeatable? That's, uh, that's kind of the, the mantra of the campaign. So one of those three, two of those three, three of those three, we really do appreciate it. Well, thank you, sir, for joining yeah. us. Yeah, thanks for giving us your time. Well, no, we, thank you best for of having luck. me on. I would love to jump on again. Awesome. That's just a little bit more than the whole of life.